For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Herd Tell. And her tell our buddy Eric Garcia wrote a book on autism so good it is Mrs. Donaldson approved. That'd be my mother, longtime special education teacher. Um, I actually want to start right there and talking a little bit about autism though, because you are tweeting about it. And the reason I bring this up is because people are getting more open about talking about it for good, bad, and indifferent. But we'll talk yes. about that in just a second. We're starting to get politicians being open about this. We're getting sports yeah. figures that are open about this. We're getting stars to be more open about this. We just talked mental health with our friend, Dr. Katie Gordon, and she talked about this as like, yeah, people kind of blow it off, but this is important stuff when people just start openly talking about it. Now that we're getting them into the political realm uh, and we can talk about uh, New York 10 and things like this, how do we need to approach it? as a society and as people that comment on it, because one of the things we bash about is the portrayals in media and in movies. Politicians are portraying it too. And I don't mean that in a performative manner. I just mean they're, they're avatars and standard bearers for this stuff. Yes. How should we be approaching and covering them? Should we treat it any different? Should we treat it different? Because as you're a journalist, first and foremost, you know, there's not a style book guide to this stuff. We're writing yes. it as we go. So how do we deal with it? There is, you're right. There is a set. There are some style book guys, so like the ASU's National Disabil uh, Center on Disability Journalism, has a pretty good style book. But even then, there's still some things like, you know, how do we? The perfect example that I that I that I often use is, do you use person person with autism or autistic person, uh, person first versus identity first language, um, and the the answer is, you know, you ask. Um, you ask people what they what they say what they what they prefer. Uh, that that's very important. But I, but I think also it's one of those things where, um, you know, the the AP style book had a real uh, had a real row because there was a big question of how do you know they said you know use person first language. Well, that works for people with Down syndrome and that works for people with cerebral palsy and people with intellectual disabilities. But other people, you know, other people with groups of disability, like aut autistic people, blind people, deaf people, they, some of them prefer, you know, identity first language. So I think it's real, I think it's, I think, as you said, this is really difficult. And I think uh, to, to, I think it's difficult to shoehorn it into the older prescribed ideas of what journal, about how to write these things. And I think it, it, a lot of it depends on what people themselves say. One of the things that I was really adamant about when I was writing my book was, Asking, how do you want to be? How do you want to be referred? Do you want to be referred to as a person with autism? Do you want to be referred to as an autistic person? Uh, and and, that, and that's gonna that's gonna be something that I think journalists are gonna have to uh, adapt to, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. In the same way, I think. So you know, in um, in New York Ten, for example. So today, there's gonna be a primary uh, with Yuli New, who's running to. If she wins a primary, she'd be the likely the first openly autistic member of Congress. 
And one of the things that I think that's interesting is that she said, you know, you know, for the longest time we've talked about, you know, I think a lot of news outlets say, oh, people don't let their disability define them. Whereas she said, you know, it's very much shaped how she is. So that's a question about how do we use that language and how do we say, like, uh, you know, if people's disability defines them, we should say, like, I think that leads to the question without being rude. And that's a whole other thing. It's like, how does being a person with a disability shape you? How does it inform you? How does it inform you as a policymaker? You know, it's about, you know, and obviously this is all dependent on how comfortable they are talking about it. So this is a real, these are going to be some real questions that I, that I don't have a real clear answer to, but I'm still learning and I'm trying to figure it out as well. But that's the problem, isn't it? Because every case of autism or every case of Down syndrome or every case of whatever, pick your developmental disability sort of thing or uh, whatever somebody's struggling with, they're all different and they yes. affect everybody a little bit differently. This isn't like um, some other things where you can just take a broad brush. So do we need the good congressman TV series? to go with the good lawyer and the good doctor. That's the question <laughs> now, because that's, because, you know, let's be honest, our politicians are TV characters now. Yes, they are. They are. So I'm, I'm being a little facetious there, but that's probably what somebody's going to come up with next. Like, Oh, well we need to have the good president or the good. And I'm not knocking it. Cause I actually like the good doctor. I think it's a good show, Yeah. but I'm not sure that that's going to be a scalable thing where we need to do it four five, six times. You were tweeting about this. I'll ask you because you're in that community. I'm not. How does it land with you with portrayals like that? Because I, I understand it's artistic, so it's subjective. Yeah, yeah. Is it in line of, oh, they're covering this good or they're exploiting it? That's a fine line. Where does it fall? It is a you? very fine line. I think the, the thing that I've always said is that, so as far as I could tell when I was writing the book, I tried to see if they had any autistic advisors. They do have some people with disabilities advisors, but not specifically autistic. I've seen, so you know, I, I've watched a few episodes of it. I haven't like, you know, it's not the, you know, it gets some things right. It gets some things wrong, I think. But I think more than anything, what I what I would like to see is <clears throat> more than just doing spinoffs of these shows. I think what I'd like to see is more stuff, more, more uh, material created by autistic creators. Or autistic screenwriters. I do know of some people in Los Angeles who do work in the who do work in the industry, and they really try hard to get their um, their material in front of an executive or in front of uh, in, in front of you know Netflix or HBO Max or whatever. And then you know forget the fact that a lot of these streaming services are cutting uh, right now. Uh, that's a whole other issue. But I think that one of the things that's difficult is creating an incentive for uh, for the entertainment industry to pick these things up and pick them up when they're created by people with disabilities. One of the, or when they're even in front of the camera, I think, you know, we saw this a little bit with CODA when it won the Academy Award for best picture. That was good. You know, uh, and from what I understand people, I know people in the deaf community have mixed opinions about it, but they were happy that it got the funding. It got the promotion from Apple. It got the promotion. It got like, it had a whole PR campaign. What it's going to need, what what this will need, what I think, it's not just about picking up these shows. It's about will networks or will, you know, production companies, will they put the full force of their, you know, PR and promotion machine into promoting this and saying that this is content worth watching?
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What do you do with a reality show like Love on the Spectrum? Because I know the, the, household out on the other day and i was i was just watching i was walking back and forth because i have an open house if this is just my opinion i'm not knocking anybody involved it just feels intrusive to me stuff like that because it's interpersonal relationships i get it it's like oh they can have love like look i'm all for it again my mom was a special ed teacher i grew up surrounded by kids with what we now call autism they didn't know that back in the 80s so much uh kids with down syndrome and you got to understand how special education worked back then. My mom would have these kids in high school level for seven, eight, nine years, usually. Yes. So you really developed a relationship with these, you know, the Shane Cogers of the world who I can still hear his voice to this day, who's still alive, by the way, doing well. It feels invasive to me because I grew up in around those kinds of folks and I knew them and they were my friends and I, you know, I love them and I care about them. That, that kind of stuff feels intrusive to me. I understand you want to portray them as just, Hey, they're, they're doing these normal it things feels like very falling Discovery in love. Channel-ish. Yeah, it, it's it's it. That one bothers me. How does it hit you? Yes, yeah, so I'm not watched, singling it out. I'm just saying. I, mean, I'm not, I don't want to single it out. I don't want to. You know. So I watched the Australian version. I still need to watch the American version. That's what they had I, on last night. The Aussie. So the uh, yeah, the Aussie one. From what I understand, the American one is is better. Uh, from you know you know from what people I know and pe- autistic people who I know have watched and say that one the American version is better. Um. The Aussie one felt really, I watched like five episodes of it and it came out, went out toward the end of me writing my book and it felt really, I, I got the same feeling. You did. It felt really, I got really clammy watching it. It felt really like so, some of the, some of the couples are, and some of the people in that show are great. I don't want to knock them, you know, good for them. And, and I was really happy for them. Others, it just felt really like, I felt like, as, as you said, I felt like I was invading their privacy almost. And I was almost like, because it's one thing to give your consent because, you know, obviously all these people had to give their consent, but I don't know how I feel about like, you can't, once you give, once you sign that waiver, the, the production companies get licensed to do whatever they, to clip and, to, to clip and choose whatever they want. And so just giving a license of consent isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that it's all honky dory, and I and there there were parts of it that I really just felt like, should I be watching this? Is it appropriate? And not like it's explicit or anything like, but it's just like it felt like there was some stuff that I wouldn't like about my life being broadcast. I don't know if I feel comfortable with 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 that. That's just me. That's my argument against reality TV in general, by the way. So it, it's not me being inconsistent just because yes. it's folks with on the autism spectrum. It's like. Look, you know my you know my rule on Twitter about reality TV. Uh, those folks signed a contract, so they signed up for it. But that's part of what bothers me here is yes. when you start getting into these communities. And I don't want to denigrate anybody; I really don't. So no, I, I get what you're saying. Like, I I'm not sure we should really be pushing that kind of contracts on folks in that community in the first place, just as a general rule. But that's just me. 
That and so I'll say this: when I was writing my book, um, I went to Marshall University in, in West Virginia, and there were college students. And one of the things that I did is I said, "I'm going to have you sign a waiver, so that you're okay with this." But the thing that I the thing that I felt was that I felt that what I did is I I was very upfront with them. I said, "I'm autistic," I, and I want to make sure that I get this right. So if I have any questions, I'll reach out to you because I didn't want to do that. And there were, there was, and there was another one, another time there was another person who I interviewed, not at Marshall, but somewhere else, a really important story that I really wanted to include in the book, but there was just something about the way, about the stuff that he told me about his personal life. And I just felt really, really like I, I made this phone call literally like days before I turned in the manuscript. And I said, I want to make sure you're okay with this because you have to live with this. I don't. And then he said, no, can you please take it out? And it sucked because I thought that his stuff was really important. But at the end of the day, he has to live with it. I don't. And I think that the difference is the difference is who's behind the camera. If you have people who've been through similar experiences or if you have autistic people who are advising or producing or things like that, that might lead to more sensitivity and recognition about like what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to show. And I think that that is where I feel kind of uncomfortable is that because if you don't have that cultural knowledge, then you might not know what's appropriate to include and what's not appropriate to. That's just my, that's just me. That's just me. It's one guy's opinion. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that my word is gospel. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. I, th- I think it's a tough subject. One more thing on this autism stuff, because I thought we were done with this, but apparently not. They're going to keep going through it for folks that don't know, because I'm old enough to remember when we did this in the early 2000s, the late 90s, especially in the early 2000s. Right when the Internet came along, of course, that's when this yes. mess started. We've got to untangle autism from this vaccine mess. Yes, we've just got to because we're going to we're going to get people killed with this. Nonsense. Gonna- I, I, I usually try to be nonsense, but I've just had it with this. I, I've lost my patience now that we're seeing polio in New York. We uh, One of the greatest achievements in human history, literally one yes. of the greatest achievements in human history was defeating polio, coming yes. up with the vaccine. And it was a mess. They accidentally put the live virus in. Eisenhower had to go on TV, one of the first TV addresses, and be like, no, the vaccine's safe. People don't understand what an achievement it was. We defeated polio. It was gone. And yes. now it's back out of our own ignorance. And we're using autism as an excuse to do it. I- I have no patience for this. You I speak am, on it. <laughs> if you do, if, how, do you, how do you think I feel? <laughs> um, I am just so livid because th- 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 this, is, this, this, this is the real. Okay, now you got me on my soapbox. This is the reason why I'm so, why it gets me so upset. Crazy. It's because it treats autism as a problem. And it treats autistic people as a problem to be fixed. 
And then what it does is it puts the blame on parents because what it says is it's your fault your child is autistic because you got got your kid the shots. They put, then place the blame on the doctors. And we spend all this time blaming everybody for the kid being autistic when that does nothing to help autistic people in school. That does nothing. We're not spending, we still do not have enough funding for home care. There, there, there was this great series of articles, I'm sure you saw me tweeting about it, in the Houston Chronicle about the wait lists in Texas for uh, autistic parent, for, for autistic kids waiting to get their services through Medicaid. It does nothing uh, to ameliorate the fact that people on SSI have to live in poverty. It does, we, by focusing on this, we're getting people killed because we're not focusing on polio and we are not actually focusing on autistic people's lives. And then we are, <clears throat> this is just, this is just, a, again, now you got me all hopped up. Um, it makes me mad because I think about this one kid I interviewed, uh, now they're an adult, so I don't want to call them a kid, but they're, you know, uh, their name's Aaron Starr. Their mom uh, believed the horse hockey about vaccines and autism and their mom blamed themselves right and instead of spending time focusing on how to help their kid live a fulfilling life helping them make sure that they that they graduate from college and live a good life all that we spent all they spent all this time blaming themselves it is just the most infuriating thing and i, I i'm you know i it makes lasers shoot out of my eyes so anyway rant over no but that's why i think people need to hear the rant because what happens is parents are susceptible. Parenting yes. advice is a multi-billion-dollar industry in America. It is. You you worked in media for a while now. They openly talk like, "What are we going to do with the mom demographic?" That's a thing yes. in media. It's absolutely yes. a thing. And to use it exploitively towards a group of people who have something that they didn't ask for, it's something that nature put in them. Yes. And to treat it like it's this disease to cure instead of something that we should be helping these people live with and become their best. I started thinking about you, you hit on one of my pet peeves right there. You talked about, you know, the SSI payments, you know, on one hand, we take away things like the sheltered workshop and giving them job skills. And on the other hand, we tell them like, Oh, you can't work because you won't have your benefits anymore. If you make money, this kind of double speak stuff, it all starts going together. It's like, Oh, well you, this vaccine causes autism. Well, autism is this, that, and the other. Oh, you can't work. We'll put you on government benefits, but we're not going to give you enough benefit. There's a lot of just double speak when it comes to autism and disabilities in general in America. Yes, we've got to find some way to cut through the double speak, and some of it's because government bureaucracy that's built into the system. Yeah, I get yeah, that. yeah, exactly. But at some point, and that's why I loved your book so much. You just go talk to the people. You skip all the double speak. Yeah, and that's really the core of your. And I will pitch your book because it's that good, not just because you're Thank a friend. You. That's the double speak that really hurts people that are trying to live with disabilities instead of giving them a hand up. You're giving them a hand up while you're holding them on the top of the head at the same time. And that's yeah. just infuriating. That is, yeah, it is. The, the thing that I say a lot of times is that we, is that I cannot imagine, you know, so like I grew up in the 1990s when there wasn't a, when in some ways it was, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times because like it was great. It was Bad because there was I, I I feel for my mom in a lot of ways because there just wasn't a lot of information at the time. But on the other hand, I'm also kind of grateful that we didn't have the internet because that means that my mom wasn't uh, subjected to a lot of quackery. I think it's I, I don't think I'm speaking out of term when I say that. 
And as a result, I think so. Like, I don't envy any parent as soon as they get the the autism diagnosis for their kid. I don't because they because immediately, immediately, they are subjected to a to a deluge of misinformation and uh, and the right information wrong. And, and it's hard. I don't blame them for like not knowing what the right stuff to do is. I mean, I think you saw, I don't know if you saw that, that stat news piece about like how a lot of private equity companies are getting involved in um, ABA. And like, that's another thing because, ne- because now you have people are making money off something and there's an incentive to shoot, to pressure parents into doing that. So there is, so there is so much, misinformation and it is it is it is endlessly frustrating because it doesn't actually address what they need you know they they you, you know just, just last month i was at a conference with uh, a bunch of non-speaking autistic people and their stories were all the same which was for the longest time they went through a bunch of different treatments a lot of different you know quote unquote cures or a lot of different therapies and it wasn't until they got to you know speech speech communication or keypads or what ha- or what have you that they decide that you know their lives overnight got better and but but you know it shouldn't take going through all those hoops to finally have the 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 Paul going through the, d- the desert in Damascus moment you know yeah and it's it's amazing that the technology is running so far ahead of the policy. We talked about this when we did the long form podcast, yes, one did. of the most listened ones we've ever had, by the way, well done on that. But that's because people want good information. They really do want the good information on this they stuff do. if you get it out there. But this is the thing is the technology has run so far ahead and especially autism stuff, both uh, policy wise and educational. We talked about it before. It really was organic and parent driven because they just didn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. Our, <laughs> Our country deserves the government it gets, but these folks deserve a much better government than they're getting. And I'll just kind of leave yeah. it at that to end the rant on it. Eric Garcia, this is fantastic stuff. I could talk to you all day. That's why we have you back more and more. You do great work, my friend. Let folks know where they can follow you. Pitch the book. We're going to link to it. I'm going to send some stuff out on the book. Oh, we are not broken. He's going to hold it up because he knows how to do a segment because he's a media professional. Look at that. Yeah. There you go. If it you're watching now- on YouTube. Go ahead, sir. Is, we're not broken. Change the autism conversation. It is now officially out on paperback. It has a new afterword about vaccines, stuff we were talking about, about the panic about it, how the va- how the autism vaccine panic gave rise to the coronavirus vaccine panic, uh, and so much more. It is uh, it is now available wherever you can get fine books. Uh, and, uh, and and I always love coming back here because you actually know what you're talking about. You actually and you actually you actually take the time to do the work. So I always love I always love coming on here. I appreciate that. You steer me some other folks too, which I really appreciate. Um, love talking to you, my friend. The book is important. Uh, maybe the sequel on vaccines might want to kick that idea around. That'll sell to somebody. <laughs> um, my friend, I appreciate you as a friend. I really appreciate the work you do. We'll do this again real, real soon, my friend. Eric Garcia, you're great, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. All the music on Hertel is provided under a creative content license from MonsterCat.com.